I failed to mention uh, that the children were supposed to leave during that hymn, so if there's any children left that are supposed to be going to their lesson, you can sneak out. We won't, we won't watch you. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11, we're going to consider the first nine verses together this morning. As you're turning to Isaiah chapter 11, I want to remind you of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. He says this, talking about the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament, he says, for everything that was written in the past was written for us. Everything that was written in the past, it was written for us. God had it inscripturated for us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Um, That's the intention of this passage today, is that you would leave this place filled with hope, that you would know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is seated at the right hand of God, who is the King, to whom all authority in heaven and on earth have been given. He is the reigning King, and so I hope that you leave today with great hope in our risen Christ. Let's open in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the prophet Isaiah. And we thank you for the visions that you gave him over 2,700 years ago. We thank you that you had this word preserved for us so that today we might receive encouragement and hope from it. Lord, you tell us that your word is not a dead word, but it's living and active. And you will speak to us today. Oh God, would you open our ears to hear your voice? Would you open our eyes to see life through the lens of your word? Would you open our hearts and speak to us? May we follow this king. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear the reading of God's Word, Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and power the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will will lie down with the goat. 
the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Herein ends the reading of God's word. Um, I ask myself this question. You may ask yourself this question. Why does Nick Saban make $4 million a year? The, the coach of the Alabama Crimson side. Why, why does Urban Meyer make $4 million a year to coach a football team? You know the answer. It's all about leadership. It's all about leadership. Uh, a team rises and falls based on its leadership. And the Bible takes no different perspective. In fact, as the Bible uh, uh, follows the history of Israel, uh, from King Saul all the way to the exile, what does it follow? It follows the kings. First and second kings is all about the king and whether he followed the Lord and therefore the people of God enjoyed the blessings. Or if that king turned his heart away from the living God and they suffered the drastic consequences. It's all about leadership. In this particular passage, Isaiah is dealing with King Ahaz. And King Ahaz is an unbelieving king. And because of him, because of his unbelief, the people of God are now under the judgment of God. God is about to bring judgment. He's about to send them into exile because of the failings of the king. And so Isaiah speaks a word of hope. He speaks a word of hope to the remnant to the faithful Israelites, and he speaks to them about a king who is coming, one who will not fail like Ahaz, one who will bring the blessings of God. You know, as the people of God, we not only need a Messiah to save us from our sins, we also need a Messiah who will rule over us and lead us. And that's precisely what this passage teaches us about. Isaiah is teaching us about a king who would come. That's when he's talking to his people, he's prophesying about a king who would come. As we look at this, we are to read about the king that has already come. We're reading about the Lord Jesus Christ and how he has come and how he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to him and he is the reigning king. And we long for the day that he brings his kingdom in its fullness. So we live in this time where the king has come and he's exercising dominion. And yet we long for him to bring that kingdom in its fullness. What I want today is I want for you to view your life. Everywhere that sin has touched, everywhere that sin has brought misery or pain or anything into your life. I want you to view it through this passage that the king has come and the king is going to come and bring redemption to those places. 
That's what he's coming to do. And, I, and so I hope you leave here today filled with hope as you look at relationships that are failing or families that are broken or this community that you look out at every day, that you would be filled with hope that this king is going to bring righteousness and he's going to bring peace like no one else can. I want us to look at this passage under three headings. The first one is his qualifications to rule. What qualifications does Jesus have to rule and to be our king? Notice how this passage starts. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. The picture here is the nation of Israel as a tree that's been cut down because God's going to send his judgment on these people. And like a tree that's been cut down, Israel is going to be cut down. They're the stump. But God is going to keep his promise. There's going to be a son of Jesse, another king like David, that's going to shoot up out of this stump. Even though the tree doesn't remain, there's still life in the ground, and this shoot is going to come up. This promised king is going to come. And from the roots of Jesse, this branch is going to bear fruit. This king is going to bring the righteous reign that we long for and desire. He's going to rule us and be king over us in a way that benefits us. That's the one that's coming. And here's his qualifications, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. If you're familiar with the Old Testament at all, you know that when the Spirit of God comes upon a people in the Old Testament, they are empowered to do God's work. You think of Samson. Maybe you think of Moses. Maybe you think of Elijah. But any time the Spirit of God came upon a man, it was to empower him to do God's work. Look at what this one will have. This Messiah. This Messiah will first of all have the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Now you must be thinking about a king. You must be thinking about a ruler. Think about a ruler endowed with unlimited wisdom. Infinite understanding. It's the very words that Solomon asked for. Remember when God came to Solomon at the very beginning of his kingship. And God said, ask for whatever you want. And Solomon said, I'm, I'm, I'm but a child. And you've called me to lead this great people of yours. Would you give me wisdom? Would you give me a discerning heart that I might rightly govern your people? And God grants his request. Well, this one's going to be far greater than Solomon. He's going to be filled with wisdom and understanding. I want you to think about it in terms of assessment. This king is going to be able to come into any situation, any relationship, any family, and he's going to be able to make a right assessment of what's going on. He has all wisdom and all understanding to evaluate and to assess what's going on. But not only that, he's going to have the spirit of counsel and power. The word counsel and power here simply means he's going to be able to devise a perfect plan and he's going to have the power to carry it out. That's what this king is going to have. He's going to have abilities to rule. He's going to be able to assess situations and know exactly what's going on. And then he's going to have the ability to make a perfect plan and the power to carry out that plan. Now there's more. He's also going to have the spirit of knowledge of the Lord and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. 
he's going to have personal and intimate knowledge of God. And not only that, he's going to stand in awe of God. He's going to reverence God. And so everything he does is going to be to please God the Father. Everything to honor him. Everything to exalt him. So when this king comes and reigns, he's going to have all wisdom and understanding. He's going to be able to devise a perfect plan and carry it out. And all that he does is going to go to honor God and to please him. That's our king. That's the one that's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty right now. He's the one that's at work in your lives. He's the one at work in your families, in your relationships. He's the one at work in this community. Follow him. Follow him. Follow him. And you may ask, well, what is he doing? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us clear uh, an interpretation of what's going on here. In fact, he says in Colossians 1.19, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. All the fullness of the Godhead, all wisdom, all understanding, all counsel and power to dwell in this one to do what? To reconcile all things, whether in heaven or on earth. That's what Jesus has come to do. And that's what he's empowered to do as the king, is to reconcile all things. Again, this should give you great hope as you look at the broken places in your own life, the broken places in this city, the broken places in your relationships. Jesus the king is here. And Jesus the king is bringing his righteous rule to bear on our lives. And his goal to bring reconciliation, to make all things that have been marred by sin, to bring them right and put them back together as God intended them to be. Doesn't that give you great hope this morning? And so I want you to begin looking, looking at every situation in your life where there's brokenness and begin to ask the question, what's God doing? What is King Jesus doing? And how can I be a part of that? One of my favorite authors' name is Eugene Peterson. Uh, Some of you may be familiar with him. He wrote the Bible called The Message. Well, he wrote the translation called The Message. Um, He is a pastor's pastor. He writes books to pastors to help them understand their calling and their their work. He says this one thing. He says the, the assumption of the Christian life is this, that God's on the scene before I ever get there. God is at work before I even enter into the situation. The assumption of the Christian life is God's already there and He's already at work. Same thing here. God is already at work in your lives and He's bringing reconciliation. How can you be a part of it? Ask the question, what is God doing? How can I be a part of it? So we've seen His qualifications to rule The second thing I want you to see is the characteristics of his rule. What will his rule be characterized by? In a word, righteousness. Righteousness simply means that God has given us his will. It's reflected in the law. And what this king is going to do is he's going to make sure that everything in this world is lined up with the perfect will of God. That it's in conformity with the law of God that it fits 
in the mind of God. That's what this one's going to bring. Listen to what he says. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. What he's basically telling us here is that this king is not going to be limited by simply what he sees or the reports that he hears. He's going to have infinite insight into every situation in order to bring this righteous rule that he's coming to bring. Maybe you think of the story in the Gospels where the paralytic is brought to Jesus. Remember, they cut the hole in the ceiling and they lower the paralytic down. And Jesus says to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And at that moment, there's some Pharisees in this crowded room who begin to think, who does this guy think he is? No one can forgive sins but God alone. This guy's blaspheming. And the Scripture says that Jesus, knowing the thoughts of their heart, begins to address them. That's our king. Our king isn't coming to judge just by what he can see, like human kings do, or just judge by the stories that he hears. He has infinite insight into every situation of our lives. He understands it perfectly. And what he's going to bring is righteousness. Look at verse 4. With righteousness, a right decision, a decision that's in conformity with the law and the righteous uh, character of God. With righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. You know, righteousness can really be summed up in two aspects, just like it is here. One aspect of being righteous is to care for the down and out, for the broken, and to make sure that they're cared for and protected and provided for. The other aspect of righteousness is to oppose and to be against anything wicked, anything that um, is an affront to God or to His law. That's what righteousness is. And that's what this king is all about. He's about bringing healing to the broken places. He's about bringing uh, restoration to the places that are down and out. And he's also about bringing an end to wickedness, an end to the evil in this world. He's going to get rid of it. That's what this king will do. And he's got the power to do it. Did you notice that he's going to strike the earth with the rod of his mouth? It'll simply be by giving decisions giving out a sentence. He will simply speak the word and this righteousness will come. That's the kind of power that this king will have. And his goal is to bring righteousness. That's what is going to characterize his rule is righteousness, conformity to the law of God in everything. Let me pause for a moment and ask you, are you broken? Are there places in your life where you would say, I'm poor, I'm needy, I need the king to come and bring righteousness to bear on my situation, on my marriage, on the places that I see in this community that are broken. This is the one. Jesus has come. He's seated at the right hand of God. And he's bringing his kingdom to bear. So again, I ask you, look at the situations of your life. Look at your relationships. Where's their brokenness? God is already at work there. And he's bringing reconciliation. He's bringing righteousness to bear. Do you know the king?
Or would you be in the category of the wicked here? You don't bow the knee. You don't surrender. You're not following him. Beware. Beware, brother and sister. Beware. This king is coming to slay the wicked. He's coming to bring righteousness to bear on the wicked. Do you know him? Have you entered into a relationship through Jesus Christ with the living God? Have you repented of your sins and repented of going your own way and doing your own thing? And are you now living for Him, submitting to Him, following Him? He's coming to bring righteousness. He's coming to bring healing and righteousness to the broken. He's coming to oppose the wicked. Where are you today? Jesus calls you. He says, seek first my kingdom. I'm bringing my kingdom of righteousness and I invite you to participate in that. I invite you to seek first the kingdom and my righteousness 